0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors
1: and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Kern. Welcome to this episode of The Commons on the Circe Institute Podcast Network. The education of your child is a commitment that is time-consuming, Sacrificial, sometimes overwhelming, sometimes glorious. And at New College Franklin, they respect educational decisions you have made because they desire the same things. Learning based in relationship, the flexibility to craft a curriculum based on what has historically been recognized as true, good, and beautiful. To engage the heart as well as the mind, to seek after virtue, to behold wondrous things and respond in gratitude. What if college not only honored the educational path that you have walked with your child, but actually built upon that foundation and continued what you started? New College Franklin is dedicated to the academic growth and spiritual formation of their students because they desire to shape not only what they will do in the future, but who they will be. New College is a four-year classical Christian liberal arts college in beautiful Middle Tennessee. For more information or to schedule a visit, head over to www.newcollegefranklin.org. That's www.newcollegefranklin.org. With that, enjoy this episode of The Commons. Thanks for listening.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Commons, part of the Circe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, here for another conversation about school life and leadership. Uh, today's episode is going to be one of our short kind of contemplations where I offer up a few thoughts that have occurred to me either through my own teaching experience or involvement in school life or life in general, to be honest. Uh, or through something that I've read. And today is kind of a combination of both. Um, We get a lot of books around uh, the Searcy offices, partly of our own doing because we, well, we frankly love books. So we have a lot of them around here and we're always buying more, always accumulating more, always sharing more. Um, And then we have a lot of books that are sent to us um, for consideration and reviews and things like that. And, and uh, a while back, and when I say a while back, I mean uh, literally a year or two ago, uh, probably two years ago, I ran across a book by a man named Tony Reinke that, that I don't actually know personally, but the title grabbed me. So I picked up a copy of it and it's entitled 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. Now, the talk about technology and the effects of technology from uh, television and movies to uh, the internet in general, social media in particular, smartphones in particular, uh, th- that talk is is almost endless. We know that. Um, the effects of it, what it does to our learning, what it does to our relationships, what it does to our our thinking, what it does to our attention span... Um, how, how it affects uh, parents and their relationships with their children, teachers, their relationships with their students, you name it. All the research has been done. All the conversations have been going on for some time. And, and yet I still find the conversation fascinating. And if nothing else, just to be really blunt with you, if nothing else, the reason it still is fascinating to me is that we we know a lot of the facts, a lot of the findings of studies. We know that there's really no great benefit to having screens in front of our children, um, I, you know, on a on a um, a heavy basis or for long terms. Um, we know that there's really not much correlation between. Um, having screens in front of children and improvement in the classroom. And and we know all of this stuff. Anyway, uh, all of that has been talked about ad nauseum. I think what stands out to me is that we know all of it, but it doesn't seem to really change our habits and our patterns. Um, And so it reveals kind of the level of dependency, the level of, um, in some cases, addiction that, that people have to their screens and their phones in particular. Um, that's not to say that there's not any good and I'm, uh, I'll throw out here the necessary obligatory qualification that yes, there are good things that come from technology. Um, and we all know that and I think we'd, we'd be really foolish not to acknowledge it. Um, but this book stood out to me just because of the simplistic or or the simple title, I don't want to call it simplistic, but the simple and direct title, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. I have not read the book cover to cover. So this is not, I'm not trying to offer a review because when I do a book review, I actually do read the books. Um, I know it's crazy. Uh, I just, I'm a rebel that way, but there is a section of the book that I, that I have read that I found interesting and I'll explain why I went straight to this particular chapter. Um, uh, let's see it, the, the chapter, uh, chapter seven in the book. So this is the seventh way that he mentions our, our smartphones are changing us. Our phones are changing us. And the title is simply, we get lonely. I want to read just part of this. And I I feel like uh, Reinke, and I I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. It's uh, Tony Reinke, uh, or maybe it's Reinke, R-E-I-N-K-E. He does a good job of just addressing this from sort of a pastoral perspective. um, And I really appreciate that. Uh, But he mentions in the book, one part of this chapter, about technology and isolation. And it, it, at this point in the chapter, it's just a few pages in, he has, he has talked about uh, the, 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 pers- the perception of how social media promised to keep everyone connected. It promised to build friendships. It promised to build relationships. But it really doesn't deliver that. Uh, and, you know, he talks about how you deliver, you'll send out a text or a picture or a video or you post something on Facebook or you post something on Instagram or you tweet something and then you kind of wait for this response. And, uh, and, and people actually have a hard time not valuing themselves or determining their own popularity and relationships and so on based on the, the amount of response all of these posts get. Uh, Now, most of us would like to say that none of that affects us, but uh, I think there's probably a greater number of us that are affected by that and to a greater degree than we like to admit. But he says at one point in addressing technology in isolation, I just want to read this uh, paragraph to you. As technology improves, machines replace people and automation replaces interaction. Street vendors gave way to vending machines. Fresh milk deliveries gave way to dairy products preserved in refrigerators. Bankers gave way to ATMs. 200 years ago, laborers were personally acquainted with their clients. In today's technological society, many laborers work in remote locations, in industrial or business parks serving faceless clients or nameless consumers from whom they're separated geographically and by a very long production chain. So uh, there he's, he's talking about how technology, while it does improve, and, and it does, uh, as I acknowledged, and, and uh, the author here acknowledges, it does bring some improvements, but it also creates distance. It creates isolation. Um, Jaber Crow*, uh, my favorite novel by Wendell Berry, uh, addresses this a bit. J- Jaber gets a car, and this is when that was a, a relatively novel experience for um for the people in his town anyway and he begins to notice uh, a disturbing trend at least uh, a trend in his own life and that is that uh, once he got a car he found pedestrians troublesome right they were inconvenient you had to slow down you had to wait on them you had to watch for them you had to give them the right of way you know in a car you can go faster. Um, you can, you know, close the doors, roll up the windows, turn on music and you can isolate yourself. Uh, so we, we have all of these ways where we can sort of use technology to shut ourselves off from the world. Um, in, in similar fashion, you know, I, I travel a good bit for Circe every year. And so that means that, uh, I have to spend time in, um, airports you know, around the country, which um, I think is one of the worst experiences you know, that a human being can have. It's one of the worst places you can be, uh, in, in my understated opinion. But you see people, uh, not just in airports, but particularly there, uh, and in, in malls, in, in stores, even sometimes in restaurants, people with earbuds in or headphones on, and they are controlling whatever they hear, whatever they have to pay attention to, you know, so sort of earbuds are in phones out or tablets out, whatever. Um, I don't have to be concerned with you. Leave me alone. I'm setting my own soundtrack. I'm determining what I have to listen to, what I have to pay attention to. And if I have these earbuds in, if I have my phone out, then everyone else is zoned out. Everyone else is expected to leave me alone. So technology does create a kind of isolation, even though, parts of it promised to provide greater connectivity. Now, what does this have to do with us? I mean, obviously, I mean, this is a very human issue and it affects all of us, but this podcast is directly connected to our schooling and our homeschooling and, and particularly in the kinds of decisions that we have to make in schooling and homeschooling. So what am I getting at here? I had a strange experience kind of one of those moments where something dawned on me that I felt like I should have seen a long time ago, should have noticed a long time ago and maybe I did, but it just didn't strike me as powerfully as it did uh, in this particular moment. But um, I'm, I'm teaching a class at a college level and I've, I've taught at uh, middle school level, high school level. I teach at our church. I teach even little kids. Um, but in this particular case, I was teaching a, a college class and I, I remember walking into the classroom, this is pretty recent, and I walked in and I noticed it was, it was very strange. Um, it was bright outside. All the blinds were up. It was a really nice day, nice morning, uh, but the lights in the classroom weren't on. So I, I, as soon as I got to the door, I turned the lights on and I found that there were quite a few students who had already beaten me there, but they didn't bother turning the light on. They were just sitting there um, quietly and that's actually what struck me. I noticed what? It's so quiet that I, I could walk into the room, turn the light on and not even realize that anyone was there. And then I, uh, so I started paying attention to this. And as the class filled up I have about 20 students in the class. As the, as the class filled up, um, still quiet. Strangely, quiet. Um, when people would come in, there was, there was no conversation. Um, students weren't talking to each other. Students weren't really even looking at each other. They are just kind of making their way in, sitting down. And so I took note of that mentally. And, then, and so I started keeping track of it. You know, Class after class after class after class. The same every week. Everyone sitting there quietly. And you all know what they were doing right? Staring at their phones, some with earbuds in before class started, um, some just looking at their phones, but no one in this group of 20 college students, no one talking to each other. I remember uh, my, my first day teaching middle school students. Um, and man, I might be dating myself here, but, it, but this might've been before the days of of smartphones but i remember walking in and and the first task of course every single day every single class period all day long all right everybody quiet down so we can get started right same with high school students all right everyone quiet down so we can get started the same with college students not that many years ago all right everyone uh, let's get started right not anymore not anymore. Now the task is getting people to stop being quiet and actually start talking, actually start participating. So the challenge that I think is before us is, is a relatively new one. Um, uh, it used to be that you'd have to walk in and quiet students down, but not anymore. Now, um, the task is actually removing that barrier to human interaction, getting the technology out of the way, getting the distraction out of the way, ridding students somehow of the idea that they have, have the, the choice, the right to block out every other person in the world, set their own soundtrack, determine their own theme music to their life and the world around them, and isolate everyone else. Now, some schools have done this through you know, not allowing any laptops or anything in the classroom. Uh, as rules go, that's not a bad one. You know, they adopt what, what we call low-tech classrooms where you're not dependent on PowerPoint, you're not dependent on laptops, you're not dependent on an app on your phone or anything like that. Um, some teachers, even college professors I know, will have baskets at the front of the room and all cell phones go in the basket when students come in. Um, you know, maybe that's part of an answer. I don't know. Um, some schools have, have implemented, um, periodic retreats or, um, fasting from screens, if you will. And, uh, maybe that's helpful too. Um, but the climate is definitely changing. Uh, and I, I think that this is something that we probably need to, if I were to choose one route, I would say we probably need to hit this head on and actually have these conversations with our students. Um, and, and draw attention to how it's actually affecting their ability to converse and their ability to be around other people and their ability, their ability to form connections and to talk about ideas and actually, um, grow in wisdom and virtue through those conversations and through that study. Um, and so I wish I had all the answers, but I, but I think it's worth bringing this up again in the context of our classrooms and our schools and our homeschools. Um, maybe the answer is setting a rule, uh, setting boundaries on the place that technology is allowed to have in your school. Maybe that's a part of it. But I think as, as teachers, as homeschooling parents, as headmasters, this is a conversation that we really need to have and that we need to be honest about. And I think the time for kind of hemming around the edges is gone. And this is something that we really need to hit head on um, because it is affecting, um, it is affecting relationships in our schools and it's determining the culture and the climate of our schools. And so I, I don't know about you, but I really miss the days. I long for the days of having to walk into a classroom and tell everyone, all right, um, let's quiet down for a bit so we can get started and redirect our conversations. Um, and maybe a lot of this starts in our own lives, learning to uh, shut off those sorts of distractions and limit technology in our own lives. Maybe it's learning to focus our usage of it. But uh, I just wanted to take this opportunity to raise the questions again within the context of our classrooms and our school life. Um, If you have good ideas about how to address this, feel free to contact me, uh, brian at searcyinstitute.com. We're going to continue these kinds of conversations on the commons because this is a big school issue. Uh, So I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, I'm your host, Brian Phillips, signing off for The Commons. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.